Hello and welcome to the finale of Season 7 of The Global Inquirer. We are an undergraduate research podcast based in the University of Virginia, and each week we bring you stories from across the world to explain how global trends are impacting real lives. I'm your host, Emma Ross. Today, we'll be discussing the impacts the COVID-19 outbreak has been having on university students. I'm currently sitting down with Sarah Rocca, a second-year foreign affairs major, minoring in Spanish. And Sarah has also recently been elected to be Global Inquirer's new executive producer. Hello, Sarah. How are you doing? Hello, Emma. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I played with a puppy today. It was fantastic. Oh, I got to play with a puppy today, too. Okay. Yeah. So we're both having stellar days. Yes. And we're going to make our day even better by producing an episode together. So you came to me with this idea. We had been thinking about doing an episode about the coronavirus outbreak for a while, but we didn't quite know what angle to take on it because every podcast, every news organization has been reporting on it nonstop since early March. So how did you come to me with your idea on how we could do something different? Yeah, um, so I was thinking the same things that you just said. I mean, everything, our whole worlds now are shrouded in the word COVID-19. Um, so I started thinking of things that I haven't heard much about. I just came back to our roots as college students and I haven't been hearing a lot about people um, who I don't keep in direct contact with. How are UVA students doing? Um, international students, out-of-state students, you know, there's not one perspective on this, but um, I think the college student perspective is one that has not been shared too often. I thought that would be an interesting way to close out our season. I agree. And you've been doing a great job researching for this episode. You have a couple interviews that I'm really excited to hear. Um, but first, I think, I mean, it's important to talk about how this has specifically impacted our lives. I think, in a sense, this episode might serve as a reminder to, you know, us in the future, looking back at this really strange time in history where we left for spring break and never came back. And our classes have been switched to online. Um, a lot of them have been switched to pass-fail optional. A lot of the Ivy Leagues have switched to pass-fail mandatory. So each college has been tackling it differently. And a lot of changes have been made to our lives. Students who have had on-grounds housing were mandatorily moved out of their housing if they could. So that means that a lot of students had to move back home if they weren't returning to maybe a place that was even worse in terms of how the outbreak of COVID-19 has happened. Um, generally, everyone has been told to go back to their own homes, and this was happening in, even as far as March. And I'm sure you could speak to a couple more changes that have been happening. Absolutely. I mean, things are changing every day, depending on where you are. Even some of these interviews, these people who I've interviewed, situations have changed since I've interviewed them even um, last week and a few weeks ago. Um, so I think it's interesting to think of this as kind of a point in time. These are just things that have happened, things that we're expecting to happen, but it'll be interesting. I, I look back at different things that people were posting even in early March, and it seems like decades ago where we didn't know that, you know, everything was going to be online and choosing between pass, fail, and graded, and, you know, none of us thought that this was going to be the shining part of our spring semester, so I think you know, this is an interesting point to recognize and to, uh, to document like this. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking back uh, during spring break that we we're going to end up coming back to campus. And I had to go back to Charlottesville a few days ago to get the rest of my stuff because I was ever the optimist who left half of my stuff there thinking that we'd come back. 
Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's, it's interesting to think back. I happen to be um, on another campus. I live close uh, to Old Dominion University and I happen to be walking around there. And as I got the email from UVA saying, classes are suspended, we'll tell you April 5th. It, it was a diffusion of information in real life that I had never seen in my entire life. I, as a UVA student, directly got it. And then I was watching as my friends who are ODU students, I was telling them, and then other friends of UVA were telling their friends. And literally everywhere, everyone knew in a matter of minutes. And so like that, I think is something that I didn't think was a big deal, but all of a sudden, you know, once UVA said that they're not going back, then, um, you know, public schools around Virginia started, started dropping like flies and it was crazy to watch it in real time. Yeah, watching it unfold and being on the front lines because we'd see on the news, like generically, colleges are closing, but in our experience, we were getting in our inbox, oh, UVA, not having classes the rest of the semester. And we were getting those messages maybe at the end of March. But now it's today is May 10th. So it's been nine weeks since we've been on campus and that initial information diffusion happened. Yeah, I mean, nine weeks, that's crazy. And it's, it's um, you know, interesting to analyze these things, but it's also exhausting to watch these news reports come in every day and simply Matter of fact, it's, it's hard to live these news reports every day, um, which is why I started interviewing these people to see how UVA students have been doing, what their stories have been, some of the struggles they've had, but surprisingly, a lot of the fun that they've been able to have. Definitely seeing the good times go who's attitude, even in, even in a pandemic, so. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's been different for you and me, I guess, because we've both returned to living with our parents and Virginia is in-state students. And for the most part, our lives have changed as far as being college students on the UVA campus. But you've been talking to other students who have returned either outside of Virginia or to higher risk states or even international students who have had to um, return back to countries that have had vastly different responses than the United States has to the COVID-19 outbreak. Yep, absolutely. Um, international students, I've talked to students who are still in Charlottesville, and I've talked to students who are out of state, and even some who are in Virginia, some who are right close to you, Emma, in Nova, my first interviewee, Lauren, talking about just life being at home, back again with her parents, trying, struggling to be creative in your high school bedroom. Yeah. So tell me a bit about Lauren, your first interview subject. Um, what year is she at UVA? How did you come to know her? And why is her experience dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak different than yours or mine? Right. So uh, Lauren and I know each other through class. Um, we've been in the same Spanish class for three semesters, so majority of our career as college students. She's a second year in the college, and I'll let her explain more about herself. Yeah, um, so my name is Lauren Prince. I'm a second year and I am majoring, double majoring in political and social thought and Latin American studies with a minor in global sustainability. In addition to talking about the struggles moving back home with her parents, we also were able to talk about how she's adapted her club Dreamers on Grounds into better interacting with the Charlottesville community, even in an online environment. We definitely have had to take a step back. There's we used to have meetings every week to get together to work out what we need to, and that has stopped. Uh, we're still, we still talk to each other frequently over like group me and stuff, but it's kind of hard to do anything when we're not all together 
fighting, pushing, like having our um, undocu-ally trainings and things like that. Yeah, that's great that Lauren's been able to change the direction of her club so that it fits an online format. I mean, us at the Global Inquirer here know a lot about changing to fit an online uh, format. But her club specifically, it seems like it's very much focused on the lives of minority citizens in the Charlottesville area, uh, if I have a correct understanding of that there. So how has Lauren and your discussions shed light on the impact of this virus on minority students or minority citizens in the Charlottesville area? Yeah, it's definitely um, an interesting perspective to look at. Uh, According to the CDC, and this is a quote directly from their website, health differences between racial and ethnic groups are often due to economic and social conditions that are more common among racial and ethnic minorities than whites. In public health emergencies, especially these conditions, can also isolate people from the resources they need to prepare and respond to outbreaks. So it's clear from the CDC website that because of the unfortunate economic and social world that we live in, it's clear that the coronavirus is going to have a bigger impact on minority communities. Uh, And in terms of Charlottesville, there's roughly 2,430 Hispanic slash Latino residents, which is a significant proportion of the city's population. Um, And given what the CDC has said, it's difficult to help marginalized communities in Charlottesville without being there. And I know a lot of us sitting at home have been, I mean, for one, bored out of our minds ever since finals ended and we're just kind of twiddling our thumbs looking for something to do. It's especially good that we can do something to help. I know um, Madison House, which is the volunteering organization um, through UVA, has put up a lot of online opportunities as well. Um, And it's great to see that people are still helping each other, even though, I mean, the COVID-19 outbreak has a particular almost antisocial context because we can't be near each other. We have to wear masks. We have to stay six feet apart. So having the ability to help one another uh, is truly hopeful. Yeah, it's important to find ways to help people, even if they're across the world. Uh, which brings me to my next interviewee at Vidka, a first-year student uh, from India who is currently living in Dubai. Um, and I'll let her explain more about her situation. My name is Advika Rungta. I'm a first-year. I think I want to major in economics and public policy, but I'm still figuring things out. I, before packing up, uh, figuring out if I was actually even going to go back because things weren't quite so bad at the time and we were allowed to stay back if uh, we needed to. But once that was there, it was just like two days of packing, figuring out what I'm going to do with all of my stuff. And then just, yeah, getting on a flight on Saturday, which, which when I think about it now, it's pretty crazy to have wrapped up my whole dorm in two days unexpectedly and then made it to Dallas in time. This, is, this doesn't affect me directly, but I've been, I've been talking to people who run organizations for international students in the U.S. Uh, a lot of international students who come to the U.S., are very privileged, elite, but there's also a lot who just come on scholarships. And when it comes to them, uh, their payments aren't coming in. And there's just no better word to describe it other than stranded with uh, limited supplies, um, no way to get back home. And it's just been a terrible failure on, with respect to the government in both countries. 
in addressing their needs. And more than myself, I think about them and what they must be going through and whether there is an end in sight. Because when everything wraps up, do things return to normal for them? And even if they do, it's just, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but it's just, I think this crisis has helped us identify this huge gap in collectivizing and organizing as international students in the States, if that makes sense. Because this organization that I'm talking about is just, it was really small before this began. And they've had so much work in this past month and so little that organizations have been doing to support them and the students that they're trying to help. And that helplessness is just something I don't think of such a large community should feel. I mean, I'm talking about just in Indian students in the United States, and there's like more than 300,000. And I feel there's an extreme need that we've identified during this period to come together as a community that's functional rather than just together, rather than just, you know, like as, as, as documents and on pages, but not really supporting each other or existing in any kind of solidarity, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it was interesting sitting down with Edvidka, even scheduling this interview. We had different back and forth, figuring out the time difference in Dubai. Um, and she's gone through a lot more than I can even imagine. She's living in an apartment. She can't really step outside. Um, at the time that I interviewed her a few weeks ago, uh, the coronavirus was growing rapidly in her area. So I know um, it was really scary for her to come back. Uh, of course, she was anxious, but uh, most of the time spent in Charlottesville was figuring out if she could get home at all. Yeah, that's crazy. We've had to figure out so many different um, adaptations to work with school um, and recording Global Inquirer episodes. Um, you know, you and I both know people who have time differences now, and while classes were still going on, students either had to ask the professors for recorded classes so that they can watch it at their own time if there was a time difference, or we have two researchers with GI who are international students who we recorded with um, remotely for um, this past season, season seven. We have um, John, who was in Canada, who we recorded the Eurodollar episode with, and we had to have a time difference there of, I think, it couple hours and then Rhea during the Indian Citizenship Act was in, also in India um, so we had to also figure out how to record the episode with the time difference and also make sure the audio quality was up to par but I think Avidka will probably have a lot of interesting information about what it was like to be an international student while we still had the uncertainty of whether or not we were going to come back because I think back in March and April that was still a question of if we were going to have classes so some of us were hopeful, but some had to make a decision in the moment. And so many of us got in our cars and made the two, three-hour car trip back to our homes, either in northern or central Virginia from Charlottesville. But many other students had to consider how to schedule their plane to return home amidst this crisis, which is a big enough challenge for an adult, let alone a first-year 17, 18-year-old student. Absolutely. And during our interview, Edvidka shared an interesting story about her interactions with the International Student Club. The friends are international students as well. And for a lot of them, the decision came really quickly to go back home. But I was a little bit more conflicted because I wasn't, at that time, it didn't, it wasn't as much of an obvious answer 
to go back home, if that makes sense. Things weren't really, they hadn't escalated quite as much. And I talked to my parents and we were really confused about things. And then we decided uh, we should probably go speak to the international student office. And they were open that day. So I went and spoke to them. And contrary to what the emails had been saying, they recommended going back home if we were able. And until then, it had been really confusing because even uh, the information we received from them was really, it was really vague. It essentially was just like, you can stay if you want to. And I, I think I remember an email even saying, don't go that Wednesday when uh, a lot of information was first coming in. So it was really just very confusing. And when I went and spoke to them, they were like, we think this is going to be extended until the end of the semester. We're not saying that on the record, but if you can make it home, go. And I was like, it's not going to get any clearer than this. I should probably go home. I was surprised to hear about the information barriers coming from two different sides of UVA. Um, and it even turns out that other universities were struggling to communicate with their students too. Edvidka also shared a story about her friend uh, at another university um, and the struggles she had literally getting on the plane home. Friends from other universities who came in a few days after, up to a week later, and it was much harder for them because they didn't face restrictions, but they went through a lot more scrutiny. And I had one friend who came back uh, as she was boarding, a travel restriction was announced to the country that I live in. And it's like, they're not gonna send her back, but that I can't even imagine what that flight must have been like as she's just there like, am I gonna get to go home? Or is she gonna send me back? Wow, I mean, that just goes to show how crazy this entire period in history has been, that none of us know what's gonna happen next. We're all waiting day by day, week by week, to hear more information from our countries, our governments, our leaders, to see if it's okay to go outside, to see if it's okay to go outside without a mask, to see if we can go to the grocery store without hoarding 20 bottles of hand sanitizer in our pockets. Right. And it's interesting to compare problems that we're facing here in Virginia uh, to the problems that international students are having. Um, and even international students who have been trapped here in the U.S. because of flight restrictions. It's surprising to find out the different perspectives of international college students uh, that's happening right here in our backyard. There aren't many news stories explaining the struggles for international students in college or high school. Uh, the struggle to get home, the struggle to stay here if that's what the school has decided to do. Some of them uh, don't have money coming in from their parents because of wherever they are, they're dealing with the same pandemic we are. Some of the outlooks for international students are bleak and they feel trapped in a different way than we feel trapped at home with our parents. They feel trapped in a foreign country. Yeah, and while universities or governments might have had difficulties maybe disseminating information because no one really knows exactly how long this should last. Everyone's kind of doing the best with what they can, and it's nice to see that the university has integrated the pass-fail option at UVA to account for students who are in these kinds of circumstances. I know my local government is putting in a mandatory pass-fail option, and a lot of high school students are upset that they can't boost their GPA on grades that they had been doing well in. Um, and then the exact opposite side uh, at UVA, people um, are upset at the choice because some students 
who were able to transition online more smoothly than others uh, are going to do better in classes and be able to receive a grade that'll boost their GPA versus someone who is six hours behind and had to catch up in recorded lectures might not have the same ability. Um, but I think what we're learning is that there are no right answers. They're only weighing costs and benefits and trying to make sure that the benefits outweigh the cost. Yeah, and I mean, perhaps all of the hypothetical benefit of having graded versus pass-fail. I mean, now that we're talking and interviewing students who have these huge problems, like I'm just suggesting that perhaps those kinds of problems put problems such as pass-fail versus graded option, it might put that so-called dilemma into perspective. And I'm glad that you were able to talk to a, a student that's a close friend of yours um, that was able to shed so much light on this perspective that we haven't been hearing a lot about, which brings us to our next point. So you were able to compile three different interviews, and now we're moving on to our third, which is a very important perspective from the world of college, and that is that perspective of our graduating students. Can you introduce to us our final interviewee? Absolutely. This is uh, my friend Emily, who works, who volunteers with me through Madison House. Um, and she is a graduating fourth year in the comm school. I'll let her talk about more of what she's done at UVA. Yeah, so my name's Emily Kappa. I'm a fourth year and I'm in the comm school. So I am, um, I have my major's commerce with a concentration in accounting and, and IT, and I have a minor in business Spanish. So going into this interview with Emily, I'll be completely honest, I was expecting uh, some sad stories uh, about missing out fourth year, about missing out on the closure of walking across the stage and getting your diploma. And I was expecting to hear about stories talking about uh, the emotional toll that missing out on the tail end of her fourth year has taken. Uh, but she was more anxious to share stories about how she's made the best out of a certainly difficult situation. I think definitely my newfound happiness is I did not cook that much at all. And now my friends and I, we try to do like, we'll like not even, not even go into the grocery store all the time. We'll like do DIY, like what's in your house? Like, you know, and we'll just- Oh, make, that's cool. Kind of like one of those cooking shows where you're like, okay, what's in here? And like, let's figure it out. And like, we're actually making gnocchi tonight. We're going to try to do that. So um, I think that's been really fun that my roommates and I have been doing that. I never really found time to do that and also thought I didn't like cooking. And now it's kind of like a nice stress reliever. We blast some music, we just talk and stuff like that. So um, that's been, that's been really nice. So I think that that's, it's, we do a lot of things to make sure we get like a break from, from either school or getting each other out of the room or we'll, we'll take a walk or something like that. So um, I do feel very lucky that I'm quarantining with them three and I'm like those three people and I'm not completely alone. Um, I feel for the people who have to be completely alone um, during this time, but um, we're doing a few things like that with puzzles going and games and stuff like that to just make sure we're not just constantly doing like work or like sitting in bed watching a movie or whatever, like doing other things. So um, we did like a uh, wine and paint class over YouTube and something like stuff like that so I think those like little breaks are what's been keeping me really going um or not going but like occupied you know what I mean so mm -hmm. yeah so obviously Emily has some great stories about how she's been able to have fun during this unprecedented and terrible time and in honor of that positivity I ended all of my interviews talking about something that everyone has been doing 
to help shine a light in such a dark time? I I think really just the chance, the opportunity to act like spend more time with my family and um, talk to my extended family. It's because especially when I'm at school, I don't really have time to you know see how they're doing. So it's been really nice to like have that like sense of community now with them and like know that we're all here for each other. So I think like the like bond we form um, even with our family or even with friends I've been able to keep up with has been like one positive for me as yeah community but yeah I made banana bread recently and I am horrible at baking so that was great I'm very proud of myself if I if I do say so (laughs) so if I were to thank someone I think I'd thank Emily for giving us this positive spin and this high note to end the episode on. I mean, when we were talking about the Corona episode and pitches, we were talking about interviewing sick people or experts in the field or doctors, etc. And I'm so, so happy that we've ended up at this place, which is talking about how we're making the most of it and continuing with our passions, continuing to make podcast episodes cooking with our families, spending time with brothers and sisters that we've been away from while we've been at college. And that's our episode for this week and this season. As always, thank you for listening to The Global Inquirer, and thank you to Sarah Rucka for rocking this episode. Additionally, a special thanks to all three of our guests for their insight this episode. If you enjoyed today's episode and this season, you can follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Consider leaving a comment and liking us on Facebook. Since this is our season seven finale um, and the end of spring semester, we'd like to do a thank you to all of our graduating fourth years who have laid the foundation for this podcast for Sarah and I and all of us here at the Global Inquirer. So we'd like to do a couple shout outs and thank yous to our brilliant, wonderful fourth years who have inspired Sarah, me and the rest of us here at Global Inquirer so much. So first and foremost, a thank you to Andy Carluccio, our awesome technical director um, for the past six seasons before Christian took over the season. Andy, thank you. There aren't words to thank you enough for everything you have done for this podcast. You rock. We'd also like to shout out Anna von Sarkovsky, a researcher all four years. Anna has been a special advisor to me. We've done research and presentations together, and I truly can't imagine my first two years of college without Anna being by my side, so thank you so much. And thirdly, we'd like to thank Nicholas Mortensen, the the host of Global Inquirer when Sarah and I started out here, and a huge inspiration for me throughout my entire tenure as host for this season. I remember recording my first episode with Nick, I was so, so nervous, and he made the whole experience so enjoyable and so much better than I thought it would be, and he is just an angel. Another special shout out to Global Inquirer four-year researcher and IRO queen Katya Senkow. I have loved all of my time with Katya working on her with the Global Inquirer, um, with other branches of our club through Mata UN. She has been a mentor to me. She has been a friend to me. 
and I can't wait to see what she does. She's truly a wonderful person and an intelligent We would also like to thank awesome Balthazar Marin, my direct predecessor as host, and expert bowtie wearer. I'm just looking at his picture on our website right now. He is such a cool down-to-earth guy, and I really, I've looked up to him and listened to all of his episodes as host before starting my career as host. His season was definitely one of the most enjoyable to listen to, and it's so sad saying goodbye to all of our fourth years. Another bright spot in the GA fourth years is hashtag he's my president, Aditya Seth. President of IRO, a recent researcher, although he was only able to do one episode with us. Um, it was a great episode to listen to. He's a great friend to have. Always a smile on his face, and I'll miss him being And last but not least, we would like to thank our final fourth year, Cameron Bertrand. Cameron is such a strong, positive force. We lived together in the Russian Shea House uh, this past year. She is so smart, so intelligent, my Slavic buddy. Um, learning Russian with her was so much fun and making an episode with her was even more fun just because we were on such the same wavelength. So I'd like to thank Cameron and I'd like to thank all of our fourth years for making this season and our entire time with the Global Inquirer so special. We are so sorry you guys don't get a proper in-person normal graduation at the normal time, but you deserve it and you guys deserve the world and we are going to miss you so, so much.